about common interests and getting to know each other. Um, as we started dating, we spent a lot of time together. We would see each other as often as possible, and I think that's important. You know, you want to see them in the context of your life, right? So a lot of times in a relationship, we make it this private thing, but we, um, as per the advice of the people around me, and even Chris, uh, Chris at the time was serving with Jose Casas in youth group, and Jose told him, bring her to youth group, bring her to everything, like, you want to see how she is around people. And for me, it was the same. Like, he would come to church with me, and I threw him to the wolves. I said, you're not, you're not even going to sit next to me when you come to church. Like, I wanted him to go and make friends and see how he interacted with people. Um, but we set a boundary. Well, getting right into it. We set a boundary right from the beginning. Um, and again, we were both in the world before um, we obviously before we got saved. But so when we met, he was like just back to the Lord. I had kind of um, just come back to the Lord from stumbling. And so even on our first date, we decided that we were going to have a boundary that was, some would say extreme. And I, I don't think it's like, you have to do this. But we had decided we're not going to kiss until we get married. So that was our boundary while we were dating. Um, so we went out on our first date and then we're in the car, he's dropping me off, and I was like, I need to tell you something, and he's like, I need to tell you something, and I'm like, I'm not going to kiss you till we're married, and he's like, I'm not going to kiss you till we're married, and we're like, okay, that's great, and so just for us, knowing that that would be a, you know, a temptation, like been there, done that kind of thing, we decided that that would be a boundary that we would have. Does that have to be like that? No. Did, was there wisdom in it for us? Yes, um, and then, you know, we stuck to it. We got engaged. We got married. I don't know. We have kids. Yeah, I mean, the thing about this is there's there's no there's no biblical text that you can go to and say, well, here's like the here's the step by step on what to do when you're dating, if you want to call it that, courting, if you want to call it that, uh, when you're engaged. Is what you there's really no place in scripture that you go to and say, here is the blueprint for this whole thing. Uh, the only blueprint there is in scripture as far as relationships go is is parental is the one you have with your boss or your employer and the one you have husband and wife and then obviously the relationship you have with the lord there's plenty about friends and all that and then that's kind of it there's no this this little beginning thing that we call dating and all that there's there's really there's there's nothing and so it's important to read your bible because there's plenty of biblical principles that are present in the word um, that are going to, they're going to apply to you in some way, shape, or form. Uh, that boundary that her and I set was extremely important because we were, I mean, I had just gotten out of the world not too long before meeting her. And so I wanted, I purposed in my heart, I wanted it to be different because at the end of the day, our relationship could not be based on intimacy. It, it had to be based on God and his word. It could not be based on anything else. And I didn't want it, to, you know, I didn't want to depend on intimacy because it changed, intimacy changes, looks different over time as you get older and all that. So it could not, it can't be based on that. Um, when we got married, the, there were no boundaries. I mean, at that point you're, you're married and that's a beautiful thing about marriage is most of those boundaries are gone. But um, now our boundaries are different. Now, there's certain lines we don't cross when we argue with each other. There's certain things we don't uh, say to one another. I will never, ever compare my wife to her mom. I'm not going to do that. Just 
write that down. That's just super important um, because that's suicide. So, <laughs> it just is. Um, but we're united. I always have to remember because I go on forever. We're a united front. We're on the same team. So those are. That's really the boundary. Is this going to further the my teammate? My literally by my half. Of, we became one. We're one body. So anything I do to her, I'm doing it to myself. So that's really the boundary once you get into marriage. And then when you become a parent, um, it's, I mean, it goes, you get crazy. It's, <laughs> you just got to figure it out. You just got to, you got to go for it. You just got to figure it out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's kind of in a nutshell, a big nutshell. Thank you, Zach. Uh, but it's interesting because I was preparing myself for that question. Uh, okay, I think even the okay. Okay. I wanted to, for us, our pre before marriage is kind of the tale of two um, attempts, and the first one was definitely in the flesh. And, um, and so, you know, we, we were hanging out, we were friends and we, and we clicked and uh, we had fun together and it started to escalate into something more than that. And we were both in the church. We were both serving in the church. And I, I also say that to say like, um, the Lord was doing a work in our lives and the enemy was out to destroy that work that the Lord was already doing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so we, we started to have an intimacy um, at some point, because she was pregnant, we couldn't hide it anymore. And so everything from kind of our perspective falls apart. It's, you know, everything's exploded. Um, you know, we, again, this a longer testimony trying to kind of make it short. But it was there when, from our, from our perspective, all we have now is the Lord. And when we start crying out to the Lord, seeking the Lord, and He finally has our full attention. Um, then, then he, he started to do it his way and bring us together his way. And um, a verse that comes to mind is Romans 5, you know, where, where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And if, you're, if, you were, if one was thinking, well, um, okay, they, they sinned, look at them, you know, they turned out fine. I would say, you know, I would grab you by the shirt collar and you do not want to go through what we went through. But on the other side of that, now that we're on the other side of that, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And um, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Um, he, he restored everything and then some. But the first time, again, was in the flesh. And there's times where it's like, we're repenting, but did we repent? Um, I also say, you know, if somebody here has struggled in the past with sexual sin, you, you want the Lord to do a deep work before you enter into marriage. And it, it took that kind of explosion for the Lord to really do that deep work where he had my full attention. And then when he did, the thought is like, well, I'm finished. You know, what, what good am I? I've, I've wrecked everything. And then he starts speaking things into your life. Like, um, I think it's Psalms 8411. You know, he withholds no good thing. Um, Romans 832, you know, if he gave up his, his son, you know, pretty much he's holding nothing back. And, you know, also some of that, when people 
sin, when Christians sin because they're in a hurry or they can't wait or um, is God ever going to bring somebody for me? I think it all goes back to is God good? You know, do you know, do you know how good God is? How much he has for you? He, he has your best interests more than you have your best interests. And uh, when to see God's goodness after we had messed up and then we, we have a second court courting, if you will, and um, we never kissed. We had accountability, and uh, we, were, we were in love, and, and there was some struggle, but, man, God was in it. We didn't kiss the second time until we were married, you know, on our wedding day, and uh, he makes all things new. Um, he is unbelievable, and so if you're on the, the side where things are getting tempting, or, or maybe you've already sinned, you know, man, go before the Lord. Let him fix, clean, do whatever it takes, because... You don't want to go down that road um, of sin when God has your best interest. You know, God is, however good you think God is, he's so much greater still. Um, well, I realize there's like so many new faces here and people probably don't really fully know exactly who we are and our testimony that we've been through. But like Chad said, I had a baby um, when we were dating and everything when when that happened everything was just shrouded by like secrecy we were just constantly hiding everything and just trying to get together and being alone so that was just going down a really bad path quick that was going down south fast um so so once obviously i couldn't hide it anymore that i was gonna have a baby so it was just very very difficult and it was just the church had decided that we didn't we didn't get to see each other for seven months, um, and I don't know why that that's making me cry when I think about it because it's like so long ago. But it was very very rough. Um, so you don't want to do that. So don't have sex right now if you're dating. <laughs> In a nutshell, don't have sex before marriage. And it's just a, a beautiful thing how, like, so many people wanted to kill Chad because of what he did. And um, it's just, it was just, just fast forwarding super duper quick. It's just, what an amazing plan, um, process of restoration that we had gone through. What a, a process of, of reconciliation that we had to go through. Um, <clears throat> to the point where people were wondering when Chad was gonna to propose to me, which just blows my mind from going to wanting to kill Chad and then wondering when he, he was gonna to propose to me. Um, so that is just our testimony, like super duper fast. Um, but we had gone through, like thinking of boundaries, like just after the fact, after, um, being reconciled together, just like the process of being way above reproach with every little, every little thing. Like I wouldn't even, I wasn't even allowed to text Chad. Um, I would have to text my dad, and then my dad would forward the text to him. That's how, how much of accountability that we felt so grateful for, um, because of how indebted we felt, and so like everything we had asked, we asked with fear and trembling, and. Um, it was just, just because of how undeserving we were of just all of the grace that 
God had shown us and the mercy that we just totally didn't deserve. One last thing on that. Um, you know, like in the spirit realm, when, when you sin, when you're in sin like that, um, you know, if we could look into the spirit realm, you know, there's an injury, there's a wound, there's, you know, we're bleeding. And in our flesh, it's, there's the thought of, and, you know, we had so many different advice from all over the place. And at some point, it's like, we just got to, you know, seek the advice of our pastors and kind of tune other people out. But there's also the advice of just get married, you know, make this thing right. And again, if you, if you have that sexual sin going on, um, you're going into marriage, you know, just wounded and, and broken. And I know with that, you know, it's a tough thing to say, but I know that I know that I know had we done that, it would have ended disaster a month later, a year later, five years later. Um, but the Lord used that time away, a time where we didn't know if he was going to bring us together to just do a deep, deep work that still blesses us to this day. And um, so, again, you, we want to make sure that those things are not hidden, those things are not being hidden, and, um, you know, to drag everything into the light. Um, before you even consider going towards the path of marriage. That's awesome. Um, yeah, just an encouragement to any of you, if, man, if you're a guy here and you're still struggling with sexual sin, or a lady if you're struggling with sexual sin, like Chad is saying, deal with that before you get into a relationship. Just getting into a relationship is not going to heal that or fix that. And if you're with a guy or a girl you're dating right now, and one person or the other is addicted to pornography or addicted to sex, man, break that up, get clean first, and then come back to that. Because it's not going to get fixed through engagement or dating or marriage. That's still going to be there. Pornography is still going to be there. Other ladies, other men are still going to be all around. So lots of times the enemy lies to us saying, like, hey, just cover this and it'll get fixed later on. But most of the time he wants it to cause as much damage as possible. So he's going to let you hold on to it, try to keep it secret. And then once there's a marriage, once there's kids, then he's going to come back and start making that change once again. So again, I encourage you guys to deal with it now. That's why I encourage the guys to fight for your families now. Now when you're fighting for your kids, even before uh, you see their faces or, or know who they are. Uh, I guess for us, when is the right time to go from friendship and to begin dating? So for every story that, you know, I, I thought that this is a great panel because we've all, we all had different experiences. So like Chris and Christy said, uh, they met and they liked each other and kind of went forward in that relationship. Um, for Zach and myself, we were friends for a long time. And um, when we had finally realized, when I had realized he had feelings first, we actually tried to jump into a relationship uh, and it did not go well because I knew that the Lord, the Lord still had a lot of work to do in my heart, and I was not on the same page as him. And it, it would have wrecked our friendship had the Lord not done a work in me. It was me that was the problem, to be honest. But um, so during that time, we tried to go back to be friends. The difficult thing is when feelings are known and shared both, you know, from both ends, it's really hard to go back to friendship from there. Now, it's possible, it's not that it's impossible, but realize that, you know, if you're, if you're 
ready to get into this relationship right now, or maybe the temptation is too great, maybe the season of your life, and you have you see a person that you like, maybe hold off telling them, expressing those feelings until you think, okay, I think now's a good time. It seems like there's a mutual interest there, right? Because if there's nothing coming out on the other side, you just spare yourself, you know. Um, but for us, you know, we, we had to go backwards, we had to go back to trying to be friends, and it just didn't work. So we took a season also, we're like, you know what, we just gotta kind of go to square one, um, you know, separate for a while. And again, the Lord had to reveal stuff to me, he had to show me. So that when we were able to uh, get together, it was clear we were both on the same page. We didn't date where it was like, hmm, you get to know this guy. I didn't know him since I was nine. I knew, and he knew me. He knew like the ugly, he knew the good, it was, he knew. So, <laughs> so, so then what happened was it went all really fast. We started dating in August, engaged in October, married in January. Like, because, because we, had, we were already on that same page. So, is that what I encourage you to pray through it? Realize that if feelings are expressed, probably the friendship is not going to be the same. <laughs> you know, so if you're not ready to be alone, say, okay, maybe we like each other, but we're going to stay in group settings. We like each other, we know that, but we're going to be, you know, extra above approach. Um, because you also don't want to be in a friendship like a weird exclusive friendship where then again sin can come in and there hasn't been any like clear commitment. So that's what I I think the right time is when you're actually ready to get married. Um, there's, there's no point in starting to date someone if you can't get married. Like zero point. Zero point whatsoever. So I would keep that friendship as long as possible as well so that you can keep the dating as short as possible, and then the engagement as short as possible. Uh, so just build that huge foundation on friendship and hang out in groups. Once you tell someone that you like them, either the friendship sort of ends right there, or that they don't like you back. Uh, the friendship ends right there, and you're a creeper. Um, or, uh, or, uh, or they like you back, and everybody's on the best behavior, and then you're not going to really get to see who they truly are. And I think that's sort of why Jose's advice to Christian Christians was, hey, have them come to church and have them hang out with other people than just yourself. So, uh, man, be friends as long as you can, and then once you're actually ready to get married, uh, financially and emotionally and spiritually, once you're ready for that, then go ahead and start dating and go ahead and get engaged. Uh, the scripture that comes to mind is in Song of Solomon, and I'll wake it up before it's time. And a lot of times, people, there's a certain time you get, I'm sure, in your brain, just saying things, telling people, hey, I like you, or I want to get this job, or I want to do this, or I'm going to do this. So instead of doing that, just hold on to that, continue to wrestle with the Lord, and then and have that conversation, and then go from that dating to that, uh, from friendship to dating to engagement, because it's always so much harder to go backwards. So much harder to go backwards. I think someone's questioning, man, what do I do? I know I can't get married for five more years, but we're, we already started dating. Again, that, that's a hard place to be in, uh, to have to wait years and years and years for the next step. And I, I think I've, told, I've mentioned it sometimes, there's an innate thing, I think especially in men, I don't know about in women, to always want more. To always want more. Uh, so whether it's in games, whether it's in job, whether it's in work, there's a desire in men to, hey, I don't want to play level one a million times, I want to go level two and level 
so forth. So once you start dating, man, there's going to be a desire to progress as quickly as possible. And that's the same danger once you open up any type of physical contact. I think one of the questions to answer both of these together is, uh, what would be considered inappropriate physical contact with someone that I'm dating? Again, the Bible is very clear on sex before marriage. I love what Ken says during the retreat, don't be a tween. So there's one thing to have a, a peck, right, a hello peck, and there's another thing to be tongue wrestling and other things like that. And you're just, that's not a good place to be. And then you're, you're awake and you're revving an engine and then you're going to try to sh shut it down out of nowhere. Because God's creation is that you start kissing and then kissing will lead to undressing and undressing will lead to sexual intimacy. That's the progression that God has created. So now once you start that progression in your dating relationship and you're constantly having to stop it and sign on the brakes and stop it, that's not what God created. You know, one thing that, uh, and this is a teaching recently, kissing in the Bible is usually with lips to lips, it's in marriage. It's a very American thing to kiss many different people all the time. Uh, but to kiss on the lips, it should be something as much as possible, keep for that wedding day. Because then from then on, hey, you don't have to stop unless uh, somebody says to right? Uh, so that's what I would encourage you guys to do is, man, hold on to that friendship as long as possible and hold on as much of that touching. Man, keep as much of that as you can So later on. Jose always says to be alone is to be naked. Uh, so again, if you're cuddling and kissing while you're alone, you're, you're in a very vulnerable, vulnerable spot. Uh, Sierra, any specific deal breakers beyond not being a Christian when you're looking for a spouse? She said yes. Just to add something, and uh, just to what Zach was saying, I, I've heard so many people say this, and I th even think there's a, a text about it, but, I mean, whatever would be appropriate with your sister is as far, like your literal sibling sister is as far as you should take any kind of intimacy, or brother in the case of a woman, is however far you should take intimacy until you're married. That's just, yeah, I, you, I see faces, and it's like, but you know what? There's wisdom in it. Um, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That's about Proverbs 13, I think 12, but when it comes, it's a tree of life. And then another quote I thought of is, a legitimate pleasure is one whose price is paid now. Meaning if you're going to actually enjoy something the right way, uh, you pay the price today. The world tells you, no, no, enjoy it today and pay the price later. And that's, that's not the Bible. The Bible has you paying the price today, and that's why it's the straight and narrow road. And that's why there are few who are on it, and that's why there are few who find it, because it's not easy. And, and you're hearing a lot of different takes on, on this, um, but you have to remember that, um, you know, the Bible's not one size fits all. So Zach's story and what Zach and Amanda did does not mean you have to do it. What we did does not mean you have to do it. What they did does not mean you have to do it. Um, but what you see the common thread is that all of us had to depend on the Lord. All of us were cautious. All of us, I keep thinking of more Proverbs. He who keeps his mouth keeps his life. Like before you go and you tell something and you open your mouth, you know, in a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. Just, yes, uh, better words unsaid than ill spent. Just Keep a lot of these things to yourself. Deal breakers. Because, again, I keep going. Deal breakers. Uh, you know, the things that I immediately thought of was um, fellowshipping at church. You see, uh, you know, somebody who doesn't like being around other people, somebody who doesn't like coming to church. 
you know, spiritual maturity is a big thing. And it's not, and the, the problem with spiritual maturity is you can't always tell immediately. I didn't have that problem because when I met her, she was a lot more mature in the Lord than I was. I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, by the grace of God, I'd like to think I caught up, but I'm, you know, she's way better than me. I'll tell you that much. Even today, she's way better than me. Um, but, uh, you know, spiritual maturity is a big thing because it's difficult to be with somebody that does not see the things the same way or doesn't have the le same level of intensity. Have you ever seen a husband and a wife where a husband is serving, 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 and you have a wife who doesn't want to serve and doesn't want him to serve because he spends too much time at church? Guess what ends up happening? He stops serving, and then nobody serves in the family. And so you want to make sure that spiritual maturity is on par. If it's not, that could potentially be a deal breaker. That could be something that... Um, that can stop you. Ladies, um, look at how he treats his mom. Because uh, just so you guys know, the way you're going to treat your husband or your wife is the way you treat your mom or your dad today. I mean, that's, that is a major thing to look out for. I mean, there's no Bible verse about that, but that's something about honoring your mother and your father. And that is going to lend itself to how they're going to treat you. Um, so if you see the, the dude just being real nasty to his mom or vice versa, that's a conversation that needs to be had. Because if not, imagine that 10 years from now when it's you and it's not mom or dad or whoever. Uh, so those are, that's, those are the immediate things that come to mind. Uh, so one of the first thing I thought of was uh, somebody who has a good work ethic. Uh, so they have to have a job or some way of that they're... Um, making money, um, somebody who's not constantly complaining about having to work and having to do things. Um, when we were uh, getting married, we actually did our marriage counseling with um, Steffi's parents. And one of the things that I remember um, Barbara told us was, think of their worst quality and then picture it magnified 10 times. And think if you're still okay with that. Because aside from the Lord, we just get worse. Like, if you're, you know, un easily annoyed as you get older, you're going to be even more easily annoyed. And if you're loud, you're going to be even more loud. So, you know, all those things. So if there's like a little bad quality about somebody and you think, oh, you know, it'll go away when we get married, it might not. It might get worse. And think about that. Um, and then Zach talked about pornography. Um, if, there's, if you're dating somebody who has an addiction to sexual sin, um, they might be telling themselves the lie that when they get married and now they can enjoy intimacy with their partner that it's going to go away and it's not. And if it's not something that's dealt with, it's a, it's a huge red flag. It needs to stop. And it, maybe they're not being honest with you about it, but if you see somebody who's very secretive about their phone, right, they maybe don't want you touching their phone. They're not very open with you. They don't communicate. Um, somebody who it doesn't talk a lot. That's a red flag. You know, they think, oh, they're a private person. That's so mysterious. It's mysterious for a reason. They're hiding something. So those are things. Uh, for Chad Steph, how do you handle intense moments of fellowship? How do you guys handle fighting? Very carefully. Well, I remember Chad had to go outside and take a walk around the neighborhood. Um, but I, we've talked about this before, and there is, during Adam and Eve, when um, the Lord catches them after they were um, 
um, eating the forbidden fruit, that the Lord goes to them in the cool of the day. So whatever intense fellowship is going on, just to like, either if you guys need to take a break and relax a little bit, but then you reevaluate and then go back to each other and talk to each other in the cool of the day when you guys are more relaxed and receptive. Um, one thing that has helped me, and it, it's interesting, you know, if you're not married, in some ways, you may not, it, this doesn't mean anything yet until you really have that intense fellowship, and hopefully the Lord might bring it back to mind. But when we have had some intense fellowship, I, to be just praying in your spirit, you know, Lord, soften my heart. And there, you know, my, oh, I'm so mad, and just soften my heart, soften my heart, soften her heart. Soften my heart. And I do pray that um, in those moments. And there's times, you know, with kids, there's times as a teacher with students, the same thing. Just soften my heart. Soften my heart. Soften her heart. Um, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I mean, this is, you know, not like this argument's going to end everything, but, you know, this is going south fast unless you intervene. You know, so to be praying. And, it's, you know, wherever you're at, you pray where you're at. You know, you're super angry. You know, again, just soften my heart. Lord, I... You know, you think you're justified, you're still praying to soften her heart, soften the heart. And um, another thing that has, uh, that the Lord has shown me is, you know, if you have that argument or you think, you, you know, something went too far, when you take it to the Lord in prayer, uh, he cleanses, he forgives. And 2 Corinthians um, 5.17 comes to mind again, where he makes all things new. And it's amazing, it's, it's amazing to me, early in our marriage, where there was a few moments of very intense fellowship, and you, you, the thought, at least in my mind, was this is going to take a little while to get over with, but the, you take it to the Lord, and it's like, wow, I'm over it. And then, you know, suddenly you're having a great time that evening or whatever. And so it's amazing um, if you let the Lord work. The other thing is um, to be able to say you're sorry and if you're not able to the lord can help you know get your heart there and there you know zach has gone over this i believe from the pulpit the correct way to you don't just say you know i'm sorry you know you ask for forgiveness and there's a correct way of of doing this but sadly i haven't always done it the correct way but again it's like just do something and you don't do it at the moment you know you just offended her i'm so sorry you know it's that's insincere but when those walls are built up and there's all, it's obviously cold in the house, if you're the first person that can just humble your pride and get something out, you know, um, there, is the, the, there is the right way. There is the high bar. But even if you can't reach it at that point, to just get some sort of apology. And she's been very, you know, this is a strength of hers, gracious when I've, I've just come offered something, a little bone. Um, and so that, that starts it. And then from there, it, just, it, it all usually always just kind of um, eases itself. So, a big money decision, 
you know, because you're praying about it, because you're wanting to be wise, you're usually on the same page. It's the little things. It's the little every day, oh my gosh, you did it again. Things that really start to build some of our biggest fights were like the dumbest things ever. But because, because we just let it kind of slide by and we just kind of say little snarky comments or a little thing here and there, and we didn't address it. And again, that goes for all of your relationships. If you allow that passive aggressiveness to always just kind of slide in, bitterness is growing in your heart and you're not dealing with the actual issue. So that was one thing. And then the other thing that I thought about was you can't argue with a dead person. And I will give my husband full credit for this one because when we are in the heat of an argument, he is usually the first one to say, okay, I don't want to fight, so he'll apologize. And it's so hard because I'm like, so ready. And then it's just over. And, and it just diffuses. It just... All of a sudden, he has taken, like Chad was saying, he took the high road, he apologized first, all he wants is reconciliation at that point, and that's it. The argument is done, no matter how many good things I had in my back of my head to say. And it's, it's really humbling. Um, and so often, I, afterwards, I'm like, I wish it would have been me. It always beats me to it. So you can't argue with a dead person. Really look at the argument, look at what you're, is it, is it better to be right, or is it better to be reconciled? Which one? Uh, reconciled is the answer, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, so those are the things that I, I thought of. And again, that goes for really any relationship that you guys have. Uh, yeah, I think to apologize as soon as possible uh, is, is really the, the best way to go. And always to be reminded uh, that the way we forgive others, that's the way that the Lord forgives us. And lots of times we get into fights and battles because we think we're holier or smarter or better. And uh, that's just a ton of pride. And you're never more similar to Satan than when you're puffed up with pride. Uh, so again, for each of us to take the humble road. Jesus took the humble road every single day he walked here on earth. And that, that's really just the best way to live is to take the humble road, take the heart of humility, it's usually not that big of a deal when you step back. And then like Amanda said, if it is something that's annoying you and bothering you, uh, you can back to the chat and step. Talk about it once you're both relaxed and you're both cooled down. Hey, this is something, with all respect, this is something that really bothers you. you know, would you be willing to address that? And when you say it like that, it's fine. When you say, you act like your dad, and blah, blah, that's, when, that's when it blows up in your face. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I think for other couples can answer this, just one quick nugget. A lot of times we hear how hard how hard marriage is. It's a battle, it's a mission, it's a, it's, a, it's a treasury. Aside from Jesus, he doesn't talk about the bride of Christ that way. What are some of the good things of marriage? What are some things that we can look forward to? Guys, marriage is the best, okay? I just want to be clear. <laughs> you know, um... That's something that I've I, uh, I picked up on with uh, with from Zach because whenever you hear him talk about his kids, or whenever you hear him talk about his marriage, uh, it, he's never ball and chain. He doesn't see his kids as a drag. They are arrows in a quiver, and he wishes he had a hundred of them. Um, I don't know if Amanda feels the same way, <laughs> but I mean, but it's important because 
in the world that we live in, you sit in a, a group of guys and it's all joking about your wife. Oh, the old ball and chain, yeah, she's such a pain. She's literally my other half. We say that, oh, how's your other half? Or how's your better half? No, she's literally my other half. The Bible says that two became one. So marriage is incredible. And one of my favorite things, we were actually talking about this on the way over here. One of my favorite things about marriage was I remember when I was dating and when I was in the world, there was always a sense of insecurity and instability. And you always felt like you had to work to maintain this sense of relationship or care or you had to work for that favor or for, you know, I need to keep her liking me or else. And when you get married and you do it in the Lord and you have a covenant between you and somebody else, that is the most incredible foundation to build on is that commitment because I don't have to worry. We get in, we, we get in, we get in arguments like anybody else, like everybody else here on stage, right? We get in arguments, but there's never a question, oh my gosh, now she's going to walk away, she's going to leave and she's not going to come back. No, that's not even on the table. I don't have to worry about that. It's one of my favorite things about marriage is that it's built on commitment. We made a commitment before God to one another. We take it very serious and it is comforting. It's incredible. I have somebody that I can talk to about literally anything. There's not anything that I don't tell her and I, it's just, it's super, it's incredible. I mean, it's the best. Anybody that calls it the ball and chain is a liar and just is either not married or it's doing it wrong. I don't know. It's, it's incredible. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, that same idea. Like, we don't have to work to keep our marriage. Like, I don't do things because I'm scared he's going to leave me. Or I, I get to do them to bless him, to serve him. Um, it's great to have a team mate, you know, if you have ever, you know, that feeling when you're, you walk into a party and you don't know anybody and then all of a sudden you spot that person from across the room. It's like, oh God, thank God I know somebody. And that's how, that's how marriage is. Like you just, you know, having that person that you could always rely on. Um, it's just sweet. And I'm so thankful for the fact that I think we've been married 10 years now in June. Um, and I just, just thinking back to how God has used it to sanctify us. We were snotty little selfish things and we still are, but just God has just chosen marriage to continue sanctifying us and growing us. And so I'm just thankful for how he's used it. And it is the best. The best. (laughs) Marriage, it's just fun. And you just laugh together and be silly and stupid. (laughs) And have sex again. (laughs) Um, Marriage is great. And uh, the the Bible talks about having a helpmate. And uh, I mean, that's just one aspect. But it's amazing how in some ways we're alike and we laugh at a lot of the same things and and we enjoy a lot of the same things. And then in other ways, we are different, and it's complementary. And, um, you know, I, in a sense, I needed her a long time ago before we got married. You know, she helps me in so many ways. But obviously, it's the joy, it's the happiness, it's the laughter of watching a child do funny stuff together. Uh, it's the joy of um, talking about what the Lord is doing or, you know, coming home from work and sharing stories. You know, it, it definitely is a huge blessing. And, um, and when you're on the same team, when you're on God's team, you know, they're in your corner. They're there rooting for you. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's fantastic. So, so one thing that uh, Ken Graves had said one time that we were just we were hanging out, you know, they live far away, and I think we all kind of get the sense that on retreats and we'll, you know, we get to just be together and have that that time of fellowship. You know, one time he reminded me, you know, this is what heaven's going to be like. This desire to be together with people. You know, there's not going to be this, oh, now we have to part ways. Um, you know, that's going to be heaven. We're going to all get to be together, fellowshiping together, encouraging one another. And so a slice of that is marriage. A slice of heaven here on earth is, is marriage. It's getting to be together all the time. Getting to be with your absolute best friend. Um, you won't run out of things to talk about. You won't run out of stories. You'll always have... Um, you know, something, someone to come home to, someone to talk through things with, um, you know, even when your thoughts are muddy and you're, you're trying to work things out, they'll be right there. Um, there is a safety in marriage that is unlike any other relationship. Um, even, even in intimacy, I, I couldn't even imagine, you know, the way that the world does it, where you're with a stranger or someone you just met and all of a sudden, you know, you're being intimate with someone that you don't even know. Um, I couldn't imagine just the insecurity, the feeling of having to live up to something. There's a safety in marriage, uh, in that aspect of your relationship. And then, um, and then through that safety, through that, through that intimacy that the Lord gives you, little tiny human beings that, you know, are half you, half your favorite person in the whole world, our birth, and it's that part to me, you know, lately has just blown my mind. Lord, that you would, you would give me someone that I love so much, and then little humans that I love so much are running around after. You know, it's it's His design. It's perfect. It's beautiful. It's what came out of Eden was marriage. He decided, okay, well, in in Eden, in at the perfect scenario, there's marriage. We're going to keep that, even in this fallen, sinful world. And so when you do it the Lord's way, it's a slice of heaven. It's knowing, okay, this person that um, I will spend eternity with, because we're both saved, which just goes back to that person you said. But um, we just always get to be together, living life together, raising those little crazy humans that we created together. Well, he created, but he knows. Um, it's, it's amazing. Like seeing God's design play out in your life, um, every single time just blows me away. Yeah, dude, whenever you do things God's way, it's, it's always the best. It's always the most optimal. And marriage is sort of the pinnacle of this side of heaven. It's because it's the picture of Jesus Christ and his love for the church. So it's like the best of the best that we can get this side of heaven. And when you're doing it with another believer, someone that loves the Lord, then you have two selfless people trying to get closer to the Lord and care about one another. And it's the best. It's the absolute best. We don't talk about it. That's the best as much as we should because we don't want to make single people feel bad. Um, but, but it is absolutely the best thing ever. You're with your best friend 24-7. Um, you don't have to hide anything. You don't have to keep any secrets. You can be completely real, completely vulnerable in every aspect of life. And you don't have to worry that it's going to be broadcast throughout the whole world or thrown, your, all your dirty laundry thrown out there. And uh, again, it's, it can either be the best or the worst. And that's why it's so important to do it God's way because it is that ball and 
Uh, when you have two unbelievers or one believer and one unbeliever. But man, when you have two people that are like-minded, like-hearted, trying to serve the Lord with all their heart and do love in a biblical way, it's the absolute best thing uh, this world has to offer outside of Jesus. Um, what's 9.15? Any closing remarks, closing statements? And then I'll just say quick for those of you who are in a relationship um, take time individually like not with your boyfriend or fiance even and just evaluate where things are at uh, it's not final until you say I do and um, yeah just to it, it's trust me it's harder to walk away from a marriage than it is to walk away from an engagement or from a dating relationship and you're gonna save yourself a lot of pain um, so just to be honest with yourself, to kind of pray through those things, um, have hard conversations with one another as you're getting to know each other. Don't shy away from, from difficult, you know, topics. See, see how, where they're at on a lot of different things, and that's my encouragement to you. I remember once Pastor Raz, uh, this was, was the old church property, he went up to the pulpit and he grabbed two sheets of construction paper and glued them together at the beginning of a teaching. And then at the end of the teaching, he tried to rip them apart, one from the other. And one was blue and one was red. And pieces of the blue one were on the red one, and on the red one, the blue one, you could, they were no longer construction paper. It was like shredded pieces. And the purpose of the teaching was that is what happens when you enter into a relationship that you are not supposed to be in, and you stay in. And it gets harder and harder to say no and to cut it off and to break up when you're supposed to and you haven't. And then when it actually does happen, you, you lose pieces of yourself. And the Lord can restore, and you have an incredible example of the Lord's restoration up here on, you know, with uh, Chad and Steph. But like Chad said, it's, it's not without uh, pain. And so, man, do not enter into anything without, uh, you know, fear and trembling. This is a very serious thing. Uh, Zach said it, this marriage is a picture of Christ and the church. That is how serious of a thing. There's no other picture in scripture that tells us about Jesus Christ and his church. Marriage does exactly that. He takes it very, think about what Christ did for his church. He died for his church. So take this thing very serious. I'm not trying to scare you guys and the, oh man, oh, when are we, we're not going to get married. No, absolutely not. Because that's no that's obviously not the point but it there's a seriousness about it. it's just like when you consider how holy god is there's something about your devotionals that are better there's something about your praise that's better there's something about your worship there's something about your prayer because you realize you're coming before a holy god and in the same way this is a holy matrimony this is god's this is how god tells the unbelieving world what christ feels about his church is marriage so approach it that way, and, um, and if you approach it that way, then, you, I mean, you, you can't go wrong. You really can't. Um, my encouragement to you would be to have accountability partners and make sure that you have that friend that you can go to and open up to and that that person can sharpen you and challenge you and be willing to confront you or um, just to have that open relationship, which I lacked. And um, that still goes on even into marriage now, um, through your singlehood, through your engagement. 
um, through marriage. Also, enjoy every season of your life, um, whether you're single um, or engaged. Enjoy every um, different seasons, and it doesn't the changes so so quickly. And um, I just want to share that um, Psalm 15 was my um, confirmation verse for Chad. If you want to read it later on, it's a special verse of it's called, it's entitled "Who May Abide in Your Holy Tabernacle." So those have all like amazing qualities of what uh, the Lord showed me for marrying Chad. Uh, for those that aren't married and, and want to be married, uh, I think of Psalms 37.3, you know, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And obviously, you know, there, there can be a selfish twisting or manipulating of that verse. But when you, again, just delight yourself, spend time with him, make him the focus, whatever his plan is for your life, it's going to blow your mind. I mean, it's, it's so amazing. And I think back you know to when i was in my late teens or 20s if if god would have come to me and you know i mean it's a weird scenario but or if i could have come to my younger self that's that's a better one if i would have come to my younger self god's got the girl of your dreams for you he's got the homecoming queen for you he has a perfect match for you it's going to happen 10 years from now just live for me enjoy me I mean, think of the, 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 that time in waiting, what the Lord could have done, you know, instead there was a lot of hitting your head against, hitting my head against the wall, you know, trying to try this out or get that in my own will, and, and what a waste of time. If you just delight yourself in the Lord, again, whether it's today, tomorrow, 10 years from now, he's got a plan that is going to just, again, blow your mind, rock your world, and um, for those that are you know about to get married or getting married sometimes we we over or i'll speak for myself sometimes i overcomplicate this and there there's a book that i never read about love languages but there there is some truth to that and steffi's one of her love languages is you know doing the dishes cleaning up around the house and it's like if i just would do that more often there would be zero friction and she would be always for me serving and, and doing that, you know, doing certain things or going out for, you know, serving for the Lord. And so we sometimes overcomplicate things. You know, marriage isn't rocket science. You know, it's, it's spending time. Another verse that comes to mind is Luke 10, um, verses 40 and 42, where you have Mary sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he says, one thing is needed. One thing is needed. You know, spend time with Jesus Seek Jesus, spend time with your spouse in Jesus, uh, and, and find that love language, and you'll be golden. Um, two things that I thought of. One kind of refers back to what Christy was saying, you know, again, to evaluate your relationship. I think it's so important. I think that once we think if we make it public, that's it. We have, it has to go through, even if I'm miserable, even if, listen, I'm not physically attracted to that person. That's important. It's important to have a, a physical attraction, an emotional attraction, and a spiritual connection. Those, all those three things are important. So just know that, and because we don't live in a day and an age where our parents arrange our marriage and that's it, we don't have, you know, yes, that's, in, you know, that was what it was, but there, was, there wasn't any of this dating figuring out portion of it. And so you, you guys have that portion to figure out. We had to figure that out. Know that 
if you have affection for someone, if you have feelings for someone, um, maybe feelings are shared and then it, it just doesn't work out, that's okay too. That's why we we're, were saying, you know, Zach was emphasizing so much, just to be careful. Be careful with how far you go. Be careful about what you say. Be careful, you know, with all those things. Take things slowly and if it, you know, maybe it just doesn't work out right away. Listen, the Lord, if you are wanting to honor and seek the Lord and His will, He will show it to you. He's not trying to hide His will. He's not trying to make it tricky or, you know, say, ha, I got you on that one. He wants to make it plain to you. And, and trust Him for that. Trust Him in, the, in those processes. And the, the other thing I'll say, which, again, applies to anybody here, someone, someone that has zero prospects and someone who's, you know, just about to get married or already married, is to be grateful. I'll never forget George G. at our last uh, marital, premarital counseling, he said, live when all else fails. Just stop and be grateful. Look back on all that the Lord has done, all, all of his faithfulness to you, and gratitude will change your, it won't change your situation, it'll change you to say, you know, oh, I wish I had someone right now. Be grateful in the season that he has you. Um, oh, you know, we're in engagement, I just can't wait, I just want to get to marriage already. Be grateful for the season that he has you in. And I've, I've found that to be so true. The moment that I introduced gratitude, that I stop and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for being so faithful to me. Thank you for always showing me. Thank you that even though sometimes I've failed, you've been faithful. And I promise you that it will change your outlook, it will change your attitude in your situations. Um, I think just to, to serve the Lord with, with all your heart, right? And I'll go back to loving the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and with all your spirit. And um, marriage, it takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of discipline. And if you're a lazy person now, that's not going to get better in marriage and that's only going to make the marriage even more difficult. And if you're thinking about someone and you're thinking about them and they're super lazy, they do nothing in their home, that's exactly how they're going to be once you get married. Uh, so my mindset before marriage was, and again, you're going to talk about how long to wait before you go from friendship to dating, dating to engagement, engagement to marriage. Uh, I think it's a testimony of what the Lord already implanted in my mind is, Lord, I want to wait as long as possible so that the moment you tell me she's the one, I can move as quickly as possible. That was my mindset. So if you're here right now and you're $20,000 in debt and you're just sitting on the couch doing jack squat, what happens when the Lord says, hey, that's the girl? You're going to have to wait till forever to do absolutely anything because you've been so lazy just waiting for the right one instead of preparing, sharpening the axe, getting everything ready ahead of time. Um, so, man, if you can't serve at church, it's going to be even more difficult to serve when it's washing someone's dirty underwear or start washing the dishes or cleaning up somebody else, somebody else's mess. So, again, it's so important to serve the Lord here and now. If that girl or that guy doesn't like serving other people at church, they're not going to like serving you. And, again, that's why it's an emphasis that serve the Lord as much as you can. Burn your singleness to the ground. Do all that you can for the Lord in your single life, and it's going to prepare you for dating and engagement and marriage. And if you're super quiet, super to yourself here now, uh, a girl's not just going to drop out from the ceiling as man from heaven, you know? 
And most of the time it's great though. You know, so even like Chris was saying, like Amanda was saying, oh man, we, we, it's on Facebook, it's on social media, we have to get married. It doesn't work that way. And just like Ken said, man, you are brother and sister, so the I do's and the name changes and the rings. So it's never that you're stuck with them or, or they're stuck with you. Um, if they seem like a deadbeat, you just drop them. But once you're married, then you can't drop them anymore. Uh, so again, work hard, love the Lord with all your heart, and uh, man, marriage is the best. But hey guys, we'll break. I know it's like 40 other questions. I'll do my best to answer them. Next week we'll have a, a guest speaker here. I'll be here, a guest speaker sharing with the girls, and a guest speaker sharing with the guys. And then the week after that, the plan is to finish up 2 Samuel. And then I think after, the week after that, we have another uh, husband and wife team. And then after that, we'll get into the relationship series. So, hey, let's go ahead and pray. Have more ice cream. If you guys have any questions, you can pull any of us aside. We'd love to talk with you guys. As God has said, Abraham, me, Christy, and Jake as well. So, Lord, we just, uh, we love you, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for the gift of marriage, Lord. Uh, God, I just pray for each and every one of us, Lord, that we allow you to make us into the man that you've called us to be and the woman that you've called us to be, Lord. Help us to live in holiness, even here and now, Lord. Again, help us to fight for our husband and our wife and our children, uh, whether we know them, Lord, or whether we don't know them yet, God. May we be sharpening that axe, Lord. May we be getting our lives in order, Lord, that the moment you give us orders, we can move quickly, God. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. And uh, Lord, we, we thank you for the body of Christ, Lord. Uh, the safeguards that there are here, Lord, and the incredible people that are here, God. Again, may we always have a heart of gratitude. So we just love you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.